Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk to you about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult. Or we do whatever we want, which happens occasionally, but I think it's always to the benefit of you, the listener, to bring you cool uh, info on movies. Uh, old and new. Today, I, of course, am your host, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian. And today I'm going to talk to you about the sequel to uh, what was one of my top films of 2020, Human Hibachi. Um, the sequel is called Human Hibachi 2, uh, Feast in the Forest. And it is a direct continuation of the first film as kind of an extra bonus for those of you that, that, that don't remember Human Hibachi, haven't seen it or didn't hear my previous review. I'm going to play that review of the first one right after this. Um, and it'll give you some more insight into the franchise. And I understand there is a third one in the works as well. Uh, the, the same person who made the first, Michael Cerrito, writes and directs this sequel. The first one had a great strong cast and it really showed what a, a low budget filmmaker can do with uh, this found footage style handy cam piece together um, film device uh, that was of course made so popular by things like the Blair Witch Project um, and we've talked a lot about found footage films here on the pod uh, both the highest echelon like the Blair Witch Project and uh, a Fleischwolf from Beyond Weird Ink which we loved and also uh, some of the lower echelons such as Legend of the Chupacabra which we did not like so much this uh, Human Hibachi to me falls near the top and the reason is is because it allows for a film to look polished and intentional, even if you don't have the money to do a lot of uh, post-production work and have the most expensive camera equipment. Of course, you can't do it with that kind of equipment, but um, it's always going to be downgraded to look less sophisticated. And it, the first film did it really well. The sequel does it well also. Uh, I think this sequel is successful, but it is a very different film from the first uh, and that is both a good and a bad thing i think it's a good thing overall because you want the sequel to a film that's a very specific kind of film like this found footage sort of documentary vibe movie uh which worked for human hibachi because it made it very unsettling very realistic um it made the twists all that more gut-wrenching and visceral uh, in, in the sequel, we move from a suburban strip mall restaurant setting, uh, which I really loved, to a, a very, a more familiar horror setting, um, the, the sort of rural 
I'm not going to say redneck because we're not talking hills have eyes here, um, but we are talking the sort of redneck in the sense of having uh, your your a lift kit in your pickup truck and a let's go Brandon sticker on the back of your car. That kind of vibe um, of 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 person is going to be the kind of character that populates most of this movie, Human Hibachi 2 Feast in the Forest. And I like that Michael Cerrito went in this new locale because it really changes the whole vibe of the film and gives you a new film uh, that is still connected and continues the story of the first. Um, there are some returning cast members. We have, uh, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, I don't think, but you do have a bit part from Waturu Nishida, uh, who played Jin in the first one. Um, and you also have, uh, returning as a producer as well, uh, um, uh, my brain is, sorry, I have, I'm recovering from COVID, so my brain is a little slow. Jeff Alpert, uh, I had to check my notes, who played Doug in the first one. Um, he's back in a, in a pretty heavy role in the sequel. And then you also have uh, newcomers who are younger. And I will say um, they're all very good. You do not, however, have the sort of gravitas of acting caliber that comes with a, a, an older person who in real life would very possibly have that level of gravitas as well. Uh, I'm talking, of course, Jeff Alpert in his first film iteration uh there is a change and it's it's part of the story um and and um uh uh andrew hunsicker in the first who is p pivotal to the film um you don't have that kind of cast rounding out most of this film you have younger people who are living in the woods have seen human hibachi uh when it was leaked uh, as a sort of a national uh uh, story that there are people trying to make this essentially cannibal snuff film uh, that the first movie centers around and they're going to start killing and eating people in in their rural area and make a sequel uh, as sort of a love letter to the filmmakers of the original human hibachi who they they take as uh, their heroes so that alone is an upsetting concept and we get some of that backwoods horror that we're so comfortable with in the horror film world um you know the the the, the motel helly vibe that sort of thing but you also get the realness of ad lib um that is perhaps the biggest detriment to this is occasionally some of the ad lib is a little long, not unrealistic. However, it is realistic. Um, there's, you know, that, that concept of, we don't really talk to each other. We wait till the other person's finished and then speak our piece and go back and forth in that manner. Um, it's compelling in that it's realistic. It's not necessarily compelling in uh, dramatic intensity. Uh, I think that's a choice and it does have an effect to bring that level of realism that we got with the first film here, but it is a little less interesting to watch sometimes. There's a couple of key scenes, I shouldn't say key scenes, a couple of scenes that deliver important information, but are a little bit long on that fact. Doesn't uh, detract from the overall film, in my opinion, uh, as a successful film. What really stands out is one, we're again brought to this really uncomfortable vibe of people living a quote-unquote normal seeming life while actually eating other people and having this complete separation of uh the human life that they're consuming from their own life and this is something that as a carnivore or an omnivore uh which most of us are as human beings we 
deal with by also compartmentalizing it. We don't typically think of the face of the animal that we're eating as we're eating it because it's unsettling because we are consuming another being, uh, which means ending its life. So it, it really does mess with your head and that's intentional. And it's uh, a, a great thing for a horror film, uh, especially one like this, that's kind of supposed to be a mind fuck, so to speak, uh, to do to its viewers. The sequel is, I will say, one small trigger warning it's not really small if it's a trigger for you i guess but um the sexual assault there is 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 not on screen it is alluded to uh it does make it a little nastier feeling there's sort of the the people involved in the first the characters involved in the first film have this weird sort of uh they're going out to a casual dining experience vibe whereas the characters in the sequel are less civilized if that if that can make sense they feel more um like uncouth fan fans uh that you might see uh run you know like crowding a stage and asking ridiculous questions at a comic-con versus um people who are uh you know live in the industry and are not going to react that way to an actor or somebody that they respect um it's kind of a weird parallel that i'm drawing there but i think it it, it rings true that gives this film yet another different level than the first one which is nice because it's adding elements it's bringing the reality that the first one was seeking into this new environment and showing us um, the new environs version of this so <clears throat> there is cannibalism there is uh capturing torture etc um, the effects are pretty good they're on par with the first one i will say there's one scene with a human corpse that it's it's pretty clear it's a mannequin um that's not a bad use, but I think that it probably some some different camera work would have made it a little less apparent. That said, also uh, the style of camera work is meant to be amateur filmmakers in the woods, and so it does follow that vein. Like the first film, which used a lot of unique camera tricks, um, like uh, having handy cam versus security camera footage uh, behind the restaurant, things like that. Um, Michael Cerruto really ups the game in two. He has a really cool effect at one point where um, one character is watching uh, a their phone, which is playing video from another area in the woods. And the people next to him walk off of our screen and shortly they're into the view of the cell phone camera screen. Uh, which I imagine there's a couple of ways it could have been done, but I imagine it was done with pre-recording footage, if not green screen. Either way, it's a brilliant move. It's it's the kind of inventiveness that made the first Human Hibachi so successful. And I love that this series is continuing to introduce these elements. Uh, also successful is are the twists. And there's a couple of twists in this one. The first film had several twists. Twists are so hard to do that, you know, and it's and it's such an amazing thing when an indie film succeeds in this manner when so many uh you know quote unquote triple a big hollywood expensive films try for twists and fail whereas these films use every element that they have available to their advantage um even the fact that they are no budget low budget films really plays into our expectations and and um the human hibachi series continues to use that to subvert our expectations and give us something different really loved that uh, i think this is a worthy sequel i think that it's always hard to do a sequel 
where you run into two problems. Either one, you're just trying to rehash the successes of the first and it doesn't feel new and it feels derivative. Uh, or two, you're trying something so different. I think of the Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows, right? Uh, it's so different than the, from the first that it really doesn't retain the strengths and, and anything new it brings is sort of a lower impact. This one tries to keep those strengths, but present them in a new light that's based on the content of the movie and the location of the setting, that sort of thing, rather than worrying about us as the audience and try and because of that sort of sabotaging uh, the film itself. The focus is on the story and the characters and the uh, elements that are inherent in that story. And because of that, it is more successful than many sequels that are trying to think about the uh, acceptance of the film in relation to the first. They're just trying to tell the story right. And because of that, Michael Cerrito's done a really great job. I really uh, am sorry that I hadn't been able to get this review thanks to COVID out sooner because there was an initial print run of Human Hibachi 2 Feast in the Forest that you could get. However, I've been told that there is going to be another release. And so in order to get that release, go to uh, Instagram and the handle is at Human Hibachi. And that is the franchise's handle. You can reach out to them, follow them, see what they have coming out as it comes out. You can also watch the first Human Hibachi uh, uh, streaming on Troma's streaming platform, as well as on Amazon Prime uh, streaming. And uh, pick up the first copy. Uh, I have an autographed copy here behind me uh, in the Colton Classic Studio. It's a great addition to any horror film franchise. And if you're a budding filmmaker or, or you're a filmmaker in general who's making multiple features, check it out. Because both of these films, they go out of their way to use what they have available to them uh, and, and the sort of budgetary limitations to their advantage. And that is the greatest thing an indie film can do because it guarantees that we as the audience are engaged. And there are plenty of multi-million dollar projects that do not keep us engaged. So for a little film to do it is a big feat and makes it all that more special. So check out Human Hibachi 2 as well as Human Hibachi 1. Stay here for the sequel uh, excuse me for the for the prequels uh, review from uh, uh, a year or so back, and I uh, can't wait to hear what you think. Let us know what you think of Human Hibachi and Human Hibachi Two. Send us emails, uh, requests. Um, send us your film, uh, comic, anything you want us to talk about at Colton Classic Podcast at Gmail .com. That's Colton Classic Podcast at Gmail .com. Follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast, Facebook, Colton Classic Podcast, and keep an eye out on our YouTube page, uh, Colton Classic Podcast, for episodes as we load the videos up so you can see our smiling faces. And uh, make sure you visit coltonclassicpodcast.com, which is our website that you can listen uh, to all of our episodes all the way back to the beginning. You can check out, uh, we have upcoming things such as a newsletter. You can sign up for that so to be the first to receive it when it launches. And we just thank you so much for sticking with us, especially as I was isolating and suffering with COVID. I got to say, listeners, you breathe life into this aging hipster. So thank you so much. Catch uh, Human Hibachi 1, catch Human Hibachi 2 when it becomes available. Follow at Human Hibachi on Instagram and other social media platforms and stream the first film on Troma and Amazon streaming. Thanks so much and listen to the second half of this episode now. I'm going to shut up so you can get on listening. Welcome to Cult and Classic. <laughs>
Welcome, friends and fiends, to another mini-sode of Cult and Classic Podcast. These are the short episodes we bring you every Friday to tide you over until the next main episode on Tuesdays when we discuss two films, one mainstream and one cult, both of which are thematically linked. So this week, I am really excited for this mini-sode because I'm going to review the 2020 movie, late 2020. It actually just hit streaming uh, February 1st, 2021 film, Human Hibachi. Yes, it sounds gross and it is kind of gross. And I don't say that as a bad thing. We're going to talk about this movie, which is available right now, uh, streaming on Troma now and has been picked up by Troma, the world's oldest independent film studio who you know i enjoy uh let's talk about human hibachi um so you might be thinking hmm this sounds like a cannibalism movie and yes you are right it is a cannibalism movie it's written and directed by mario uh cerito the third uh and i apologize mario if i'm saying your name wrong but um i'm famous for that so enjoy but no mario has made some very interesting films in the past in 2015 he made deadly gamble and then uh in in 2017 he made the listing uh about a a really high pressure uh real estate sale that was fascinating so i was really excited to dive into this one uh even though while i don't mind gore and i really appreciate practical effects uh films that sort of appear to be gore focused only are not always my favorite that doesn't mean I don't like some of them, uh, many of them, but sometimes it just doesn't have enough story to keep me engaged through the gruesome uh, and uh, or it doesn't have the effective presentation to carry a small budget that it has. I'm happy to say Human Hibachi doesn't really fit either of those categories. Yes, it's a gruesome film. Uh, yes, there's lots of raw meat being cut up, although, of course, we know in reality Probably it's not human meat, uh, although it's portrayed that way on film. Uh, I will say for a film that seems heavy in the gore, it's actually pretty tastefully done. Um, So let's get right into what is the film Human Hibachi. The film Human Hibachi is a found footage film, uh, filmed mostly from, uh, so it's supposed to look like from a cell phone camera and occasionally security camera footage of a boyfriend who is filming his girlfriend's 35th birthday from start to finish. The idea being that he is capturing all the special moments as he makes her day as great as possible. Uh, the reality is, is that he is actually working for his restaurateur boss to uh, document her um, great day, which will culminate with her butchering and being fed to very wealthy salespeople from an unnamed company. Uh, And then the film will be uh, shipped to a market that deals in snuff films and weird fetish films overseas. So it's a gruesome concept. Not that it has been completely not done before, but it is, uh, let me say that again. Not that it hasn't been done before in some form or another on uh, screen, but this is a fresh take uh, and it works pretty well. The same way that Cloverfield lent impending doom via found footage camera um human hibachi does the same for the uh, ultimate dismemberment and cooking of humans so it's a freaky thing it's made even more freaky by realistic performances from cast and pretty decent acting across the board uh the unfortunate birthday girl katie is played by elizabeth gainer elizabeth gainer uh, is no 
stranger to low budget affairs. She's in the upcoming Mr. Blue Shirt, The Inspiration. Um, she was in uh, many, many shorts and has been in some some upcoming films as well. It was also a small role in The Worry Doll from 2019. She does a great job um, playing her ill-meaning boyfriend is um, Sofigatra Thang. I really apologize if I mess up your name. Uh, you did a great job, usually just doing voiceover behind the camera, um, but you've been in some interesting films as well, including the superhero pick Jade uh, from 2018. And then um, another real standout is Andrew Hunsaker, who plays the head of the wealthy businessman who is bankrolling the eating of these people. He's been in so many things. Great, great actor. Uh, played the man in House of Cards. Uh, played Pope Leo X in Pope, the most powerful, um, uh, most powerful man in history. Excuse me, I'm blanking on that name. Uh, great actor. And he does a really good job here being a very disturbing cannibal. Uh, and then we have sort of in, I, I think you would call it the lead role, um, Wataru Noshida, who plays Jin, who is the restaurant owner, who is sort of uh, collecting and preparing, or his staff is preparing these humans for consumption. It's This is a film that, could have been very bad. It could have been um, nothing more than an attempted exploitation with no story and no real effect behind its exploitation. And you know how much I hate that. I love exploitation films, but I'm not a fan of one that don't do it well. So I'm happy to say that Human Hibachi really succeeds in being a standout exploitation film. Why? Because its exploitation doesn't actually lie heavily in the um, the visuals, although those are competently done, it, it lies in the actions and uh, portrayal uh, of the events on screen. It's disturbing enough the idea that you have people willing to murder other people and feed them to others for money uh, and film it. Uh, but what's more disturbing is seeing portrayals of people acting very normal, but clearly fetishizing and aroused in in sexual but non-explicit ways by something like cannibalism. So uh, for example, uh, Hunsucker's character uh, of the big boss who, who uh, has his three top salespeople come with him and eat of human flesh uh, in the base or in the kitchen of this restaurant after hours are terrifying. They start by being just normal, sort of everyday high roller businessmen in the West to being um, disturbing, blood squeezed in their faces through uh, ketchup bottles, urine drinking, um, testicle, human testicle eating monsters. It is truly a terrifying and progressive uh, ramping up of depravity. And what's amazing about it is that, as I said, it really isn't that explicit. Yes, we see beef and chicken cut up with fake blood on it that to look like human organs. We know those aren't real. Um, but it, it doesn't matter because the grotesqueness is really not what's, what's shocking here. It's the concept taken to this realistic extreme. Um, we also have uh, the police in on it at one point, and uh, we have the end of the film with uh, this sort of framing, um, 
I wouldn't even call it a framing story, this, this sort of epilogue that's just text that says this video was caught before it was shipped overseas. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that the people who are involved in this, this murder and, and cannibalism ring are not still at large. Uh, so it's just, it's a, it's, it's a great movie. Um, I actually am kind of blown away by it. I see why people like it. Um, it's done low tech, but it's done very effectively. There are times when the uh, sort of cell phone-ish footage uh, stutters. There are times when it slows down and, and, and gets a little high pitch or has a ringing. And it actually does a lot to cause us tension, uh, physical tension that is subtle. Uh, we, we don't necessarily, we're so invested in what's on screen that we're not so concerned uh, with whether or not the sound is making some screeching noise or whether there's a little feedback that wasn't there before or whether the video is a little um, sluggish. And yet, because those things are happening, there's a high-pitched noise, the, the video is dragging out while the character is also drunk, uh, who is being you know victimized and soon to be eaten, it's, it just works to enhance the effect. And if I, you hear me struggling to find words to describe this, it's because unlike a lot of films where there is some sort of twist, which I often review, uh, and I give away the ending because I frankly don't think that it's a very powerful part of the film, uh, Human Hibachi actually got me. I didn't expect the twist coming. Uh, I think if you could make one argument against the ending, it's that it does go a little farther than it has to be with the story. It, it takes uh, characters uh, into new directions that I didn't necessarily need them to go to still be satisfied. That said, it wasn't unwelcome. Uh, I actually welcomed the additional information. I thought it was fine. And the fact that there's a sequel already being developed uh, excites me because the characters that they put in here and the events and the methodology uh, of their crimes that have taken place are really engaging to watch. Uh, this is the kind of thing that if it were true, if this were a true crime movie, um, people would be doing podcasts about it for decades. It is really interesting and I really enjoyed it. And uh, like I said, the cast does a great job. It's a very small cast. The locations are uh, well chosen. There's a couple of times where some of the location backdrops, if you look closely, are confusing. For example, they're supposed to be in a, a sushi restaurant, yet uh, in the kitchen there are um, bags of pita and uh, either meatballs or falafel, probably not a sushi restaurant. But again, if you're paying attention to that, you're either a reviewer like me or you're not paying attention to the movie because you're going to be much more engaged in the severed torso hanging in the meat locker or um, the, is this person going to get away or are they not going to get away or uh, are they really going to eat that? Um, now, so words of warning, while this isn't what I would categorize as a gore film really because there's not, you know, melted faces and, and torn rib cages uh, spewing gore, uh, it is graphic in other ways. Uh, if you don't want to see a fake severed penis cooked and eaten, uh, this isn't the movie for you. That said, the stuff like that that people could find really repulsive, I put forward that it's only moderately repulsive because they're clearly fake. Um, that said, the acting on display, uh, especially from the salespeople, uh, are, is so stellar that they're committed 100%. 
um, what they're eating to them is human beings. And uh, the fact that it's, it's gelatin or other things really doesn't matter at all. So I want to give a shout out to Mario Sarita III and the entire cast and crew of Human Hibachi. This is a really enjoyable film. It's something I hadn't seen before. It's a breath of fresh air in the found footage category film era. It's about an hour and a half, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. And there's a lot of opportunity for future stories based on this. So I'm looking forward to the sequel. Uh, it's it's classy exploitation, if that makes sense. Uh, some of you that will sound like slander, but you know, so be it. That said, there is uh, there there are one or maybe two scenes of brief nudity. I think really only one, and it's not you know, it's really it's really nothing so titillating that you would call it a sexploitation film. Uh, also, I really appreciate that the film's sexual perversion, that vibe of of, of sexploitation, comes from these cannibals treatment of the eating of a human being it is in no no one you know uh uh there's no rape there's no assault uh, a sexual assault rather in this film uh and it doesn't need it it is more disturbing to see the behavior of these cannibals than it is to see any of that other stuff simulated on the screen so kudos to them uh i'm really excited to share this movie with people if it sounds if you want an experience you, you're not used to this kind of cinema give this one a shot um it the budget is perhaps a little shocking if you're not used to ultra low budget films at first, uh, but the there is a small framing uh, scene before and after and once in the middle of this movie uh, where people are watching the footage, and that is perhaps the lowest budget um, feeling material. And uh, and I don't know that it was wise to open and close with that simply because of um, how much at odds, it seems, with the rest of the movie, which is quite well produced uh, for, for such a small production. But it does work uh, with the story narratively. So I understand why they went with that. Just stick through it. It's going to make sense. It's going to work. And this is a, this is a good movie. Uh, it's sort of a, a non-sexy, uh, uh, non-hentai eroji take on the Japanese film from Switchblade Pictures, uh, Cool Restaurant. Um, it's got that kind of grody vibe of like Noriko's dinner table, although never pushing it that far. Just watch Human Hibachi. It's a good movie. I really liked it. If you're into horror and gore and cannibalism's not off the table for you, give it a watch. Let me know what you think about it. Write us at cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com. To play us out, as always, is the chud with All About Evil. And go ahead and rent this film uh, uh, on Trauma Now. Pick it up when it comes out. Support uh, these filmmakers who are making good, unique, independent, low-budget films so they can keep doing it and keep honing their craft. And as for us, write reviews at Colton Classic Podcast uh, wherever you find it. Podcast Attic, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Podcast, etc. We love you and have a great night. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.